The Dogs of War podcast is brought to you by Fansided. Party on, Raleigh, and party on, Kevin. Hey! Dogs of War, Dogs of War podcast. Cleveland Browns. It's the offseason. It's time to talk brown stuff with your excellent co-host, Raleigh. And with him, as always, is equally excellent co-host, Kevin. Browns confirmed, Raleigh. Browns confirmed Kevin. Dogs of War! Um, we are back and we are one week away from draft week, draft day. Woo! Welcome back. Hey! Welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. Yeah, there you go. We're back for another week. I am Kevin. And man, I'm excited for today's show. Yeah, we got an interview with Mr. David Gilbert, the stronger of the two Gilberts that are also CEOs, in my opinion. Uh, dude's a philanthropist, a businessman, and he's taken the charge on bringing the draft and many other events to Cleveland. I don't know why I'm saying this. Kevin's the one that brought him on the show. and We both know, brought him on the show. We both brought him on the show. Mr. David Gilbert is CEO and president of Destination Cleveland. Uh, the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission, and he essentially is the CEO. Uh, I mean, he, he was in charge of putting on the RNC, uh, the MLB. We talk about game. it. We talk about it on the show. You'll hear everything. He is. He's the CEO of Cleveland. I mean, I, he has more CEOs titles on his resume than maybe anyone in the world. But it's a hell of an interview. We wanted to discuss. Obviously, the draft is next week. Mr. Gilbert, David's company is in charge of uh, they got the boots on the ground they're the ones working with the nfl hand in hand to put on everything all the logistics all the behind the scenes stuff so we wanted to hear about that i we're sick of hearing about who we're taking at 26 what position we should have or not have so we wanted to go another way and hear the interesting stuff like but we also talked about but we also talked about who we should draft at 26 we did Um, and yeah i don't know how we got him on the show his time is so much more valuable than ours by a lot, like probably, yeah. Anyway, dude, we got an ad read. Speaking of wealth and power, we do um, have an ad read. We have an ad read, and it's a temporary, hopefully long-term contract. Maybe, uh, what do they call it? Earth Eco. So this podcast, this episode, is brought to you by Danit May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring. Danit May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Let's pause there and talk about how we had to YouTube slash Google multiple words in that first sentence. Cacao. Cacao Bliss. The product is Cacao Bliss. Yeah, and the the company, they provide healthy foods. What the hell is a superfood? A superfood, I think it's healthy food. Because, as you know, they start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, which maintains its miraculous health benefits. They blend it with turmeric, MCT oil. Actually, I put MCT oil in my coffee every morning, just so you know. Coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. You have hands down saved this ad read and our relationship with Earth Echo, Earth Eco. Look... It's friendly to the paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, veggie diets. I think that's what a superfood is. We're going to look that one up, too. Anyway, we're talking about Cacao Bliss. 
Check them out. Because of us, you're welcome. You get 15% off when you use the code MINUTE15. M-I-N-U-T-E-1-5. Go to earthechofoods.com slash minute media. That's earthechofoods.com slash minute media. Promo code MINUTE15. Get some cacao bliss. Look, one thing we will promise you is that we're not going to read anything we haven't tried or had ourselves. Um, this is going to be sitting in both of our homes by the time you're hearing this ad. Let's, Let's do the damn moving. interview. Let's Go get Browns. the interview. Go Brownies. Ladies and gentlemen in Raleigh, we now welcome on a very special guest. He serves as CEO and president of the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission after refounding it in 2000. He serves as the president and CEO of Destination Cleveland, a role he's held for a decade, where earlier in his career he developed a nationally recognized welfare-to-work hospitality career training program. He was president and CEO of the Cleveland 2016 Host Committee, for the Republican National Convention. He's the vice president on the board of the International Children's Games based in Switzerland, sits on the boards of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Greater Cleveland Film Commission, and the Maltz Museum of Jewish Heritage. He was named by Crane's Cleveland Business as one of Cleveland's 30 influencers of the last 30 years, an Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, and in 2016 received the SME Cleveland Business Executive of the Year Award. He also somehow runs marathons. A graduate of the Ohio State University, as well as Cleveland State, Mr. David Gilbert. David, welcome to the Dogs of War podcast, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Absolutely. And now, now I will, uh, I hate when people read that long bio, but I can certainly add being on this podcast to it. Uh, yeah, that, well, that's all the time we have for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> There's, that resume is not fitting on one page. There's no way. That's a three or four pager. And I, you know what? I left out so many other things, too, but... You know, after the third CEO, I figured that's that's more than anyone else. So, <laughs> well, m- most importantly, from here, love it here, love yes. my family, love my sports. Great. So time. that's and that's exactly a great segue into the first question. We're big on segues here, so you're already naturally good at it. So that's awesome. So, Destination Cleveland, exactly as it says, the organization that positions promotes Cleveland as the destination for both personal travel, major events. Uh, the website, thisiscleveland.com, might be the most comprehensive look at everything there is to do in Cleveland, Ohio. So you became CEO a decade ago, 2011. Um, Cleveland has changed a lot since 2011, and you've been sitting front row slash driver's seat to the biggest events in Cleveland ever since. So case in point, uh, since 2000, when you refounded the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission, it's brought in or created over 200 events and contribute over 843 million. Let me repeat that one more time: 843 million dollars in economic activity for Northeast Ohio. So, my question for you, after all of that, can you talk about you know being from there? And obviously, our entire listenership is Cleveland here, Ohio. Can you talk about how Cleveland has grown and evolved over these last you know 10 plus years that now allows us to have these major events? You know, 
I think the biggest change I've seen, and you could talk about, you know, new buildings and, and you know, the, the new stuff. I, I think, you know, and again, as a, a kid growing up here and, and been very fortunate to spend my career around trying to help Cleveland grow, the biggest difference in the last 10 years, I think, is Clevelanders' own view of their city. You know, we've been such a, I don't know, the last probably couple of generations, such a woe is us place. <laughs> and, and you know, look, it goes back there, you know, this city went through some really hard times in the 60s, 70s, 80s. But, but there's been some, particularly since around 2000, I think like 14 maybe, there's just been a real shift in the, in Clevelanders' pride in their own city. I think a lot of the things, you know, the river catching on fire, all that stuff from now 50 years ago, most of us don't remember. We weren't born or we we're little kids. People who moved here have no idea why this is. Um, and, and, you know, I also think even in the past, you know, uh, probably half a dozen, eight years, um, outside of, you know, you had the great Indians teams of, of the mid to late 90s. Um, I think the resurgence of the Cavs, now the resurgence of the Browns, um, I, think, I think that hosting that RNC was really big for Cleveland to be chosen and to do it well. All these great things have happened, and we do a lot of research on it. Clevelanders now, it, we actually over-index in how we appreciate our own city. And, and it, it's amazing what that does in so many ways to, to advance us. Ironically, that the 2014 year that you cited when things started turning around is the year we drafted uh, Manziel. And, uh, what was his name? <laughs> Andy. Um, also, the year LeBron announced he was coming back. So That's so that, true. That, was, that uh, is true. That was pretty good. Our economy has been based on that man <laughs> for years. Uh, let's get into uh, – Kevin wrote this question. I'll ask it, and it might end this interview real quick, but we have to get it out of the way. Do people ever call you Dan Gilbert by mistake? All the time. Okay. I, I, as long as it's not my wife, I'm happy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to – so you just brought up 2014. I actually had this uh, for later on in the interview, but I want to just bring it up here. In an interview with 2014 – uh, or excuse me, an interview with the Cleveland scene back in 2014, you said something that resonated with me and resonated with everyone else. It's kind of what you just said. Um, you know, the perception of Cleveland was usually filled with lots of jokes about Cleveland. You said the river, you know, it's burned not once, not twice, but three times. Not many of us were around back then, or, uh, you know, we all have T-shirts that, that symbolize it. Um, so my question is, when you're with the NFL, the NBA, you know, we have the All-Star game coming next year, these big, you know, we had the the gay games, NCAA, all these things have come to Cleveland under your watch. What is your first or your biggest selling point when they sit down and say, all right, tell us about Cleveland? Why? You know, I think there, there's a few things. Um, number one is um, that, you know, over time, it's been great. We've built such an incredible resume at not only hosting these events, but the ability to successfully host them and make them successful when they're here really builds on itself. And I, we'll talk a little more later about how, how that happens, but that's been really big. Yeah, I think that people seeing this city for themselves, um, it's an enormous change in perception from someone who hasn't been here and then those that come here. And so getting them here is critical. Um, you know, I also think, you know, when we talk about Cleveland, you know, it's not about the buildings. It's not about, we could talk about, I think we can go pound for pound with any city for the great stuff we have. 
I believe we have more of a soul than any place I've ever been. And I love traveling. I love going to other places, love visiting, but I love coming home. And and I think we, we are just so freaking real. We just, the people here love it here. There's a depth here that, that you know, and maybe it is a little bit of the, the us against the world mentality for a long time, a little chip on the shoulder. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a story to me that embodies it. I love the shirt. It's perfect. I mean, that is it. Well, you know, when we were bidding to host the Republican convention, you know, very, there were 12 cities bidding. We were bidding on either convention. Didn't matter to us. Politics. We wanted a political convention. You know, a lot went into it, but there were 12 cities, then down to eight, down to four, down to Cleveland and Dallas, and nobody gave us a chance but us. And, and a couple weeks after, there was a woman who was in charge of the, the, uh, big committee for the RNC. She was a former congresswoman from Utah. Her name is Eden Mickelson, really cool lady. And and I asked her, she was back in Cleveland. I said, so why why did you choose Cleveland? We never really knew. I mean, obviously, we thought we had the best pitch. We thought we made the most sense. And, and, and she said, you know why? She said, you wanted it more than anybody else. And, and to me, that's the attitude we have. You know, we, and it's genuine. When we're going after these things, we... We, we appreciate the fact that they choose Cleveland and we will go to, you know, we will go to the ends of the earth to make sure that their event is successful here because it means that much to us. Be, you know, in some ways, you know, I, look, as much as I love Cleveland, I still feel like we always have something to prove and, and nothing wrong with that. It makes you work harder. You know, it's funny you say that because, you know, and you hit the nail on the head. We've always, you know, made those jokes and no one makes fun of Clevelanders better than Clevelanders, but you know, just growing up with, you know, before this, this you know, current Browns team, obviously we had our many years of challenges and dismay there. But, you know, uh, in college and, you know, with my, my non-Cleveland friends, you know, we'd always crack jokes. And then when we actually brought them to Cleveland for the first time, this happens many times, they, they kind of look around after the weekend and they go, why do you guys always make fun of this place? This is a blast. I never yeah. knew Cleveland was this fun. So I, I know that wholeheartedly, and I, I agree with that 100%. There's this great expression I hear some business people say when they're recruiting people. They say it's it's hard hard to get people to, to come to Cleveland, harder to get them to leave. And and you're right. I think when people see it for themselves, it really it it really uh, really resonates. We actually, I'm not sure if this was known to you. Our audience knows, but me and Kevin actually live in Chicago currently, um, and not together. Not together. I'm I'm married. My wife's in the other room. (laughs) She's uh, I'm lobbying hard that we give Cleveland a chance, and uh, I I think this episode I'm going to use as a part of my arsenal. I do have to tell you, like it, you know, I've got I've got a couple kids that are college age, and I don't know whether they'll end up being one's in college in Florida, loves the warm weather, Uh, but I I do think ultimately we both may come back here, and they may go check out another place, Chicago. Look, Chicago, probably other than Cleveland, Chicago is my next favorite city. It's a, it's sort of the Midwest, New York. Um, nope. But and it's and, and not everybody's going to be in Cleveland. But also, I would say you don't have to live here to love it. And and I also love how loyal Clevelanders are. In fact, the fact that the two of you do this show from and living in Chicago actually says a lot for Cleveland. That that you know this is a place that has such deep roots, even for those people who don't live here. And it, I, I don't think that's that's I, I don't think that's normal. I, I think we really over-index on that. It didn't it's, happen by accident. And there's a lot of there's like plural Browns backers bars out here, and in any other major city, there's Brown backers bars in like uh, 
what is it? Uh, South Carolina. Can't remember the name of the city. It's irrelevant, but it's small time. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we have people from that sticks to people. Yeah, we we were the biggest. We were the number one football podcast in Lebanon for a few months last year. Uh, we have people from the Netherlands. So Cleveland awesome. people are everywhere, and we're 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 freaks. And I say that proudly. I love it. I love it. So uh, if it's okay with you guys, I'm thinking we asked some questions pertaining to the logistics of the draft that's coming up. Uh, yeah, like you said, I don't, want talk, yeah, I don't want to talk about the picks. I want to talk about the draft, the fun but stuff. But then I want to ask him about the picks. Of course, of course. Um, could you give us a, a rundown of the logistics? I, I got to imagine it blows people's mind what how you are essentially the liaison between the NFL, the city, the small business owners, and the fans. Like, What are some of the challenges, hurdles, or the elevator rundown? What do you got for us? We don't even know what questions to ask. It's so <laughs> beyond us. Well, I think, you know, first, for people who've never, you know, obviously we all, we've all for years watched the draft on TV, mm-hmm. and that's what we see. What's been amazing is, you know, the draft's been around 50-plus years, and it's only been about seven years that, that the NFL made a decision to move it out of New York. And even when it was in New York, it was lo- mostly at Radio City. It was, uh, you know, it was a made-for-TV event. And they moved it to Chicago. There you go. And, and it was actually because they, they, the Radio City Musical had a conflict with their date about seven years ago. And Chicago, the city of Chicago, uh, 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 helped them create a little festival around it at Grant Park. It was, was very, went really well. They did it there a second year, and then they started moving it. It was in Philly. It was in uh, uh, Dallas, Nashville. And, and incredibly, it grew where the last live draft in Nashville, you know, last year was going to be in Vegas, and because of COVID, they had to do it virtually. Um, it, it was ridiculous, the crowds in Nashville. It was estimated somewhere between 150 and 200,000 fans watching the draft live each day. And the uh, Nashville, the, their their uh, uh, their their travel and tourism organization, did a study, and they estimate just over a hundred thousand visitors from out of the Nashville area to Nashville. And you think about it, the RNC had forty five to fifty thousand visitors to Cleveland, so twice the number of people. It, it it's become this enormous, and everything is free, which is really cool. It's not like the Super Bowl where you need a ticket. It's it's this huge free almost pilgrimage that people from around the country make if you're an NFL fan and just a big freaking NFL party for three days in that city. And um, obviously now that is, is we're not having it to that level because of COVID, but it still is going to be unbelievable. And so you really have largely two components to the draft overall um, on site. Um, and one, the, the draft footprint is enormous it's it takes up almost the entire downtown lakefront everything uh uh including first energy stadium all the area north of first energy stadium all the way over to and including everything around north coast harbor the rock and hall of fame and the science center and everything around it. and we're lucky because a it's a beautiful footprint you know the the shots of cleveland seeing the lake seeing the skyline seeing the stadium and the rock hall very iconic but also thankfully now particularly in hindsight the fact that it's huge, over a half million square feet of outdoor space during COVID is still going to allow for a lot of people socially distanced. So you really have two pieces. One is the draft, uh, uh, NFL draft experience, which is a huge fan fest. Free, 
now you need time ticketing uh, because of COVID. Um, but, but, you know, sort of a big NFL playground, you know, everything from, you know, seeing Super Bowl trophies to pump, pass and kick on, on the field to, you know, we'll all stuff you would imagine you would see and do really cool exhibits and, and, and those kinds of things all, if you're a football fan, you're going to, you'll go crazy. Um, and then the other piece is the draft itself. And the NFL is building a, 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 an enormous draft stage. It looks and feels different in every city. And I say stage, it's the kind of thing where there's several hundred fans on it. There's, you know, ESPN's TV set and ABC's TV set and live bands. And I mean, it's, and then a tent city for all the prospects and everything else. It's, it's enormous. And, and, um, and, and so you have this huge event. And then, of course, we're doing all kinds of other activations around the city. When people who are here, they're going to walk around Cleveland and it's just going to see and look and act and feel like the NFL. Crazy signage, the lighting up of Terminal Tower, the we're doing a big thing on Mall C right in downtown because because not everybody can stand in front and watch the draft. On the malls, we're in a huge area with a couple hundred picnic tables and music and, and screens and people can from there listen to the music and watch the fireworks. In the evening, there's free concerts. I announced Kings of Leon and um, Machine Gun Kelly. I mean, some some really cool, high-end, great stuff, all free. It's going to be it just electric. Um, and, and that's sort of the, the, the overall, the basics of it, a lot more to it in, in detail. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, you've got this, you know, it is the NFL's event. And, and they come in, they spend tens of millions of dollars. They're amazing at what they do. But it's our job to provide... Uh, um, so many things that we sign a contract for, everything from the public safety to the facilities to 2,000 volunteers to on and on and on and on that we are responsible for providing, paying for, and doing. And it's it's like this: it's it, we are hand in glove. You know, we we you know we, our staff talks to NFL staff every day, multiple times a day, especially as they're getting closer. It's the 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 moving pieces are incredible. And locally, we have not only the sports commission, who's sort of the, the point guard, but the Browns were joined at the hip with the Browns and Destination Cleveland and certainly the city of Cleveland, Downtown Cleveland Alliance, all these organizations. And our job is to pitch in to make it great. We want to make sure that the NFL walks away saying this was the best city we've ever worked with because we wanted to say we're going to come back for the draft and not wait 20 years to do it, but that we were that good of a city um, to work with and the draft was that successful here. That that's how we view it. I mean, this is this is personal to us, and uh, um, and it, it is. You know, look, I'm I'm staring outside right now at four inches of snow. Yep. But the orange forecast for next next Wednesday at least is looking like it'll be in the 70s. So if it stays dry, we all know how beautiful Cleveland can be in the spring. If it's dry, um, it's going to be it's going to it's going to be magic here. I wanted to put almost every one of your responses on like a t-shirt and sell it after this because they've just been so like, quote, perfect. So to go off of that a little bit, um, the NFL released, at least the press release or the official plan for the draft on March 22nd. Um, how do you guys plan something as massive as an NFL draft that you don't have, you don't know what the rules or the regulations or the attendance numbers or the COVID rules are going to be? Do you have to come up with, you know, uh, 10 different plans of if we have full attendance, if we have no people, like how does that even come into the equation there? You know, in, in many ways, the answer is yes. It's, it's all kinds of scenarios. And certainly this has been so much more difficult and more complicated 
because of COVID as, as, as you would imagine. And, and, you know, at the end, we, we've been saying, you know, we, we, from the very beginning, our stance was we are planning a large live in-person draft until we're not. And, and because you always have to keep planning. I mean, thankfully on that, you know, March 22nd, which is amazing. Now you're only, you know, it's that, you know, it wasn't very long ago that, no. that we knew a hundred percent definitive. And we probably knew a couple of weeks before, but really not much before that. Um, now the NFL, you know, one thing with the NFL, which is great. I mean, think about what they had to do to, to pull off the season and postseason they did, uh, during COVID and really during the absolute heart of COVID. So the, you know, they, they, they have people that are absolutely experts that were in contact with the CDC every day with the Ohio health department every day. So that when the time came, you know, they, they had all the plans ready to go and what could be done. And I'll tell you, even now, some things are changing because different rules are being relaxed. We may be able to do a few things that we couldn't have done before. Got to make sure we could do it. It can be pulled off over the next week. Um, but, but it is, it's just, you know, like it sort of, sort of adds more work, but, um, but it is a lot of just different planning scenarios. But I will tell you, I, I, you know, we've worked with a lot of people over the years, a lot. And the NFL is as good as it gets. They are just, they are incredibly professional, creative. Um, you know, they, they, the Super Bowl and the draft now are their two among many, but major, you know, events. And, you know, really two of the, look at the Super Bowl, really one of the largest events in the world in many ways. And, uh, um, and it's been really fun working with them and watching how they do things. I, for years, whenever people talked about, and I remember just growing up and even lately, you know, when people talk about why can't Cleveland have a Super Bowl or why can't we have an all-star game? And everyone's like, well, we don't have the infrastructure or the hotel rooms to do it. Uh, that's been shut down because of you guys the last several years. Um, what are some other concerns that people bring up when they when you pitch Cleveland to them? You know, I, I think, you know, outside of not having a, a dome football stadium, yeah. you know, there's only two major, major events we can't host we, with that. We realistically we can't host the Super Bowl. They they tried once in the Meadowlands, a cold weather outdoor, probably not in the cards, and we can't host a men's final four. But you know, look in a five and a half year period of time, we're gonna stretch now MLB All Star game in nineteen, uh NFL draft twenty one, NBA All Star twenty two, women's final four in twenty four, and on and on. And and to me, there there's almost nothing we can't host. But I will say look, we, we still always feel like we need to work harder. There's always a perception issue, even to some small degree that we have to overcome. I think not so much anymore. Um, but our biggest sell, quite frankly, is that we are going to make those events more successful. And and obviously, they have to like Cleveland. Cleveland has to work. The infrastructure has to work. And, and we could do our best to sell that. And, and we, we you know try hard every day. But our organization has developed an infrastructure that we can go to these, these folks and say, we will make your event better. We, we have to figure out what is it, how do, how do they define success? What is it they're looking for? But our whole organization, we're not big. We only have, we have 14 full-time people at the Sports Commission, a couple part-time. In our world, that's actually pretty big. But we are, we are put together to do, you know, probably 20% of our work is business development. The rest of it is how do we, how do we help manage all our parts of these events so we provide more services to the NFL or anybody else in any other city in the country. And if we can help make their business more successful, they're far more likely to choose Cleveland. Um, this is kind of a specific 
maybe too specific of a question uh, pertaining to the draft itself. Um, outside of you know the what's the fan experience, the small business experience, the whoever the players experience, you have all of these different franchises with their different war rooms competing for the best draft picks. So there has to be some degree of uh, security protection that goes into that. Is there any, um, does the NFL come with that pre-planned or do you guys have to present that? On site? Or how that- yeah, it's, 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 you know, security's big as you would imagine. Um, and, and it's for all the reason you mentioned. Plus, you know, when you have a highly visible event that media is watching, you know, we expect probably somewhere between 45 and 50 million viewers over the three days of the draft. You have to be careful. And so, um, from the very beginning, we were awarded NFL security and city of Cleveland police coordinate on, on all of it. We're involved in a lot of the logistics, but that is a that is a law enforcement to law enforcement. And federal agencies get involved. A lot of other local agencies get involved. And, and it is certainly security on site. But, you know, again, it's it's also they look at all kinds of, of outside threats. That and 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 you know and are, are very very good at that. Um, and you're right. A lot of important people, you know, highly visible people will be here, and and that's taken very seriously. Um, and uh, uh, but but you are right. The the planning coordination for safety is is paramount. I totally agree. I was more uh, protecting the uh, the secrecy of the draft picks between the war rooms. You know, making sure that uh, certain coaches don't get any edge over one or the other, but also if there is a way to give the Browns an edge and you're an inside guy, have you done anything that you can tell us? Uh, this is the Cleveland mentality in this. Oh, no, I believe me. I love this. So uh, um, I will tell you, the, the, the war rooms don't happen at the draft. They happen. The, 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 the teams do things at their own sites. There is a, a business piece um, of the draft that takes place. So, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the, the war rooms, if you will, call in, somebody picks up the phone, they hand the pick to the commissioner. I don't know exactly all the inside, but they, they aren't all in rooms next to each other, you know, like with a cup to the wall. Hey, you know, we, you know, wonder what the bears are doing. That's so awesome. they're, they're, <laughs> they're all in their own places. So uh, otherwise, if they were all next to each other, we, we probably would be able to figure out how to you know, drill a little hole in the wall and, and, uh, and listen in. That's a 2024 conversation. <laughs> What's been your favorite part so far? Uh, I guess besides having the ability and having your hand up personally showing off all that's great about Cleveland to the world. What's been the best part about playing in the draft? You know, I think how excited Clevelanders are getting, mm-hmm. um, you know, one, anytime with this community, anytime something big happens and you see Cleveland sort of believing in itself, I get a kick out of that. That's, you know, that's really exciting to me. But also you put it at, it's almost this weird inflection point of just coming out of COVID. You know, the you know majority of people are getting their shots. They're looking for stuff to do. They want to re-engage. And, and you know, people are just going to be giddy to be, you know, around the draft, being downtown. For many people, probably one of their first big ventures out. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I love that there is just a buzz you know, the only thing I would compare it to is it, in many ways, you know, the, you know, the Indians being in the World Series, Cavs being in the championship, Browns, you know, who knows if, if uh, you know, just a, a uh, you know, g- getting back to an AFC championship game, you know, at home will feel like it. But it, feel, it feels to that level. It, it feels like people here just know 
there is something really special going on in their town. And to be fair, back just because of it's how we're raised, it's ingrained in us. Of course, the first time the Browns get to the playoffs in, you know, 100 years is the first world pandemic in a century. But we all should have expected that coming into the year. Um, (laughs) What is one thing? So you talked about we've had some big events, the the RNC convention. We've had uh, all-star games. We have an all-star game coming up. What has been, I guess, an unexpected surprise or challenge about the NFL draft that was unlike any of those other, um, you know, the MLB All-Star game or the the NBA, anything else that we've done in Cleveland the last few years? I mean, the obvious is COVID. COVID. I mean, that's just, you know, it's... (laughs) I should have said, yeah, that's on (laughs) me. That's on me. You know, outside of that, um, you know, I think that, that, one, it's just people don't realize how immense it is. I think if if you haven't seen it in person, you know, you go, you know, you're used to saying, okay, if there's a World Series, if there's a Super Bowl, you're filling up a, a ballpark, you're filling up an arena, you're filling up a football stadium, and you get an idea because you've been there of what that might be like. What the draft is is unreal, and, and the size and scale. And even for us here, without people being, you know, uh, um, you know, elbow to elbow for for a half mile, you know, a half mile stretch, which we're not going to see because of COVID, but still going to be big crowds. It's something people, you know, the enormity of it um, is hard to fathom. The only thing I can compare it to a little bit is RNC, you know, just, yeah. uh, you know, just seeing in a different way, but seeing something you would have never expected, the craziness of that, just the sheer madness of the people who were there and, you know, that felt like sort of the crazy train came to Cleveland, dropped off 50,000 people, picked them back up and left. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I think, just totally unexpected. And, and you know, look, we are, we are, I would say, it takes nothing away from the Cavs and nothing away from the Indians. But we are more than anything a Brownstown. I mean, it's kind of proven out, you know, oh, yeah. the, the, the national loyalties. And so I think because of that, also being timed with, sort of this slumbering giant of Brown's fandom being awoken last year, it's a really cool confluence, you know, that, that yes, you know, our, our, the draft has sort of been our Super Bowl for the last decade. And it's, it's pretty cool that we're picking 26 and (laughs) and not, you know, top five. And so, but yet I think it's, it's, you know, while you could say it's our luck that COVID came, it's also in a good way, our luck that we are now, on such a rise that that has people, you know, just just you know, bleeding brown and orange at the time that the draft is here. That's a great point. Like the perfect storm of our resurgence and then the draft coming right as we're ascending the top of the mountain. Um, sorry, Riley, you're gonna say something. Well, I, there is a level of irony there. We refer to the draft as our Super Bowls over years past, and then the one time we do have it in Cleveland. Don't get me wrong; I'm pumped for the draft, but we've mentioned like on this show that it's the least excited for the draft itself because we're not looking at as many blatantly obvious holes in our roster on both sides of the ball yeah so, which is a great you want to be picking 26 that means you did something fantastic the year before like make the occasional playoff run beat the Steelers um by a lot in back-to-back games do you have any uh expectations or do you have a desire for the Browns to pick any position in particular? You know, I would say no. And, 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 but here's the thing I love. I, it's a good I, thing I, this year. 
Well, right. And, you know, you, what you said is great. There isn't an obvious choice. I mean, again, it could be defensive lineman or linebacker or receiver. I mean, you know, the ones everybody's talking about. What I think is really cool to me as a, as a big fan is watching the strategy of, of Barry. I think, and how he's, you could just tell how he's thinking short-term and long-term. You know, signing McKinley and signing Clowney to one-year deals, I mean, it, it's going to be amazing for next year. And look, if they love it here and they have good years, we can always bring them back. But I, I, you know, so you could see things like, you may say, we don't need a receiver next year. We don't need a defensive lineman next year. But at 26, you could pick there really thinking about the year after. And, and, uh, um, and so it's, it's hard to say, but I, I've really loved watching the strategy of, of how, what he's doing in free agency both years, not just to plug a hole, but to be thinking, to be thinking long-term. It just feels like we really have a chance for this thing to, to last for a while and, and for a number of years. You know, they talk about building culture. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we're positioned for this to be a, a, a knock on wood, a, a real long run of very successful football. And we were talking about on the, the podcast, too, a couple of things. First of all, we didn't even know there was a 26 pick in the first round. We thought it was only, you know, one through five as Browns fans. Uh, we are also huge fans of AB on this podcast, uh, except until we realize he's a year older than both of us and we get knocked on a few pegs. Um, but on the flip side of that, the signing good players that having to release like Sheldon Richardson, these are people are, are mad and they're, you know, they don't understand it. But these are these are problems that good teams go through. We just never had to go through this before. Yep. So it's been – it's definitely a, a refreshing and a, a very welcome um, path here. The holy, the holy Trinity. We got the head coach, the quarterback, and the GM, yep. and they all gel with each other. Yeah. It is really cool. Like, it makes it more, like, heady. You know, it almost was easy before. Yeah, of course, we – you know, there's a bunch of holes. We're going to pick – you know, we need an offensive lineman. We're You know, we're going to – here's one of three or four. We get Wills. We, we knew we were going to want three or four, and that was it. Now it's it's almost like we've gone from playing checkers to playing chess, and to me that's really it, like you said the Richardson thing. That's really cool. And if if you know you, you think about it or you get it explained, like makes total sense. The money they yeah. saved on the cap and 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 I love that we actually get to think more about the draft and what they're doing than making it so right. awkward. Yeah, we're not just taking the whoever will want to come here. We're actually strategically, like you said, strategically picking people now. Yeah, yeah. What? What? Um, I know. Sorry, we're, we'll let you get back to your your hectic life here. Um, over the last all these different events you've had to, you know, to chair and, and run, who is the or maybe some of the top, you know, celebs, athletes, people that you've really enjoyed partnering with um, in over all the years that you've done all these events? Any stick out in particular? You know, I, I would say I, I, I'm not a, uh, um, I'm not one that just gets enamored by celebrities so much. I don't know why it just, it, it, but I will tell you over the years, there's a couple that have stuck out to me, not because you're starstruck, but they were so cool and down to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, one was actually Jim Brown. Um, we, this was probably, gosh, I bet 10, maybe 12 years ago. We, we, um, he was doing something for us and he was signing a bunch of footballs for something we were doing. And, and a couple of us went to his hotel room and one of the people were handing him the footballs and he was signing them and he was really gracious. And we talked for probably an hour, nothing about football. It was all about his background and what he was doing with his, his uh, American program. And I just thought, man, what a cool dude, like just 
like have again, have, even though I'm an enormous Cleveland sports fan, you know, just just like you guys, and I love not talking football with them, and and that you know, and I think the other Billy Jean King, I happened to have lunch with one, and again, this was probably 10, 12 years ago, and you know, I was a tennis fan, I knew of her. All she wanted to do was like talk about. I have a daughter. Like, what does your daughter do? What sports does she play? How? Like, tell me about you. That's like, awesome. You get that from a lot of celebrities, and we just had this amazing conversation about each other as people. And I just I love that because I think I you know to me it I don't you know again the ego I, I'd rather do without the ego. So I just overall to me anybody who is just who's genuine. And and uh, who who you can talk to as a as a person and takes interest and and it, it doesn't have the ego you would think they would have that that really impresses me more than anything else. And we've had a few you know we've talked to a couple of the players and other people you know throughout the history of this podcast. And one thing that one theme that we we've kind of heard um, more so off the mic than actually during a recording is and a lot of this is about not just themselves but just athletes in general. If you go up to them screaming and, you know, for a picture and like, but if you just want to, they're not so receptive to that. A lot, I mean, some of them are, of course, but if you start talking about not just talk to them like a human being, they will open up and just be like, they're just normal people. And that's like the biggest thing that they always want to say is like, we, we'll talk to you about anything but the sports. I promise you. Um, and you have a lot more success talking to these people about just life, you know, and it's, you know, you can find the, the mutual thing there with your daughter. And so, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And you know what's funny is you think the, the you know you think these athletes if they can perform in front of 20,000, 50,000, 60,000 people nothing would make them uncomfortable. But I don't you know they're just people and they a lot of times they don't you know they want to be by themselves or they don't love conversation or they don't love being in a crowd even though you would think you know they're invincible because they can do what they do in front of you know in front of that many people but you know that's you know that's a might be you know little nervous about but uh um but yeah they like then they like you said they are just people uh how, how are we looking on time sir <laughs> whatever you need this is fine right. well i i thought of a sweet um outro which you could put this at the end kevin do editing things i don't know but over the past couple of years players have actually wanted to come to cleveland brown guys wanted to play for the browns and over everything we've just gone over in this interview, everything that you've helped develop this city, you're a big part of that. That's got to feel special that you're in that equation of people wanting to come to Cleveland to play for the Browns. So on behalf of the Dogs of War podcast, our listeners in Lebanon and in Cleveland, thank you. That's huge. Thanks. Was that more cool in my head? I was going to say something similar. I was going to say it's part of the outro. You killed that. Uh, that if, if I moved to Chicago in 2011 because I got a job here after I graduated college, um, I say this all the time very openly. If Cleveland was what it is now back in 2011, I would have moved back home to Cleveland. No question. You know, I, I, I appreciate it. I just one thing I, I, I'm, I feel very lucky because I do something I love and I'm passionate about. And, and I don't take that for granted. And, and I, you know, I, for whatever reason, I've always had this, crazy love of Cleveland and you know I'm lucky that I get to you know work my tail off to 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 help make it better love that do you have any messages for the inspiring entrepreneur that whether they're middle-aged or they're in high school or the kids that are just trying to figure it all out um 
or just Browns fans in general? Any message to the public? The mic is yours, sir. Come to Cleveland? Uh, that would be it. I don't know if I could have said it any better, but, uh, um, you know, it, it, it is it is an awesome place. And, uh, you know, here's what I'd say. Presuming everybody listening on this podcast, even in Lebanon, has probably lived in Cleveland or been to Cleveland, and most of us know it. And, uh, um, you know, the, the most important thing, and you guys are perfect examples, the most important thing anybody who loves Cleveland can do is, is spread the word. You know, is, is, you know, is, is in whatever networks you have, tell people what you love about Cleveland because that's how we're going to continue to grow. That's how we're going to continue to overcome all those perception issues is, is people who know Cleveland and love people spreading the reality. That was beautiful. We're always going to start tearing up here. I, I, if, you know, if I were next year, I'd give you a handkerchief. <laughs> well, I have one more question about the draft. Well, I have a thousand questions about the draft. But one thing I've been seeing on the Twitter machine and in different articles online, which is the past week, is the rumors and the, the debates about can people resell these tickets to the draft? And I'm seeing no, but people are trying to on eBay or, or something. You can't just buy tickets, right? Yeah, one, the cool thing is it's all free. So if anybody says to you, buy my ticket, tell them no. <laughs> and the only You're way, here first. Yeah, exactly. And you have to have the, the, the NFL One Pass app, and you actually sign up under your email address, and, and, uh, um, uh, and you have a very specific QR code. So, yeah, you are being ripped off if someone is telling you, I will sell you my ticket to the draft. We have our Raleigh and I have our our apps and our tickets uh, Saturday three to six. I'm looking Excellent. forward to being humbled by the field goal and the forty and the high jump and everything else. Can you? One thing I'm confused about though. So you have to be selected to be in front of the stage. Uh, it's not that's not something you can just sign up for as one of those time slots, correct? Right. What what parts is it? Everything or just the stage where you have to show you've been vaccinated? So it's, there's a, a really small area on the stage. That's one of them. And that each, each, I forgot whether, I think it's 12 people each that each team around the league picks, small wow. number. Then the areas in front of the stage, uh, um, the, the vaccinated fan zone, that's the part you have to have been vaccinated. Relatively small numbers, largely being distributed through the Browns. And a lot of those are first responders, things like that. Nice. And then the, the the bigger area, what you guys are talking about, is the fan, the NFL, the draft experience, and that you don't have to have been vaccinated. You have to wear a mask, um, and uh, um, you know designated areas for eating and drinking and that kind of thing. Um, and then the other cool thing is downtown is going to be loaded for the draft. So restaurant every, everywhere you go is going to look, act, and feel draft. So you know, even when you're not down at the lakefront. Um, you know, hey, you can go on the malls and, you know, there's going to be beer trucks and food trucks and all kinds of places to go to hear the concerts at night, watch the fireworks and and a, a, a viewing party at Playhouse Square down in the flats um, with big screens and so on. But really, anywhere you go around downtown, you're going to really feel a part of the draft. I haven't been this excited for an event in Cleveland. I don't know, since the game seven, 2016. Um but this is, I mean, that wasn't necessarily in Cleveland, but still. Um, no, but just, I mean, I know Raleigh already, said, Raleigh already said it, but, you know, just the work that you and your crew has done, um, 
you know, I, we're extremely grateful and happy to have someone like you in charge, especially lifelong, you know, born and raised Clevelander, um, who's bringing all these big things to the city. So, you know, definitely, definitely want to give all of you guys your well-deserved hat tips and, uh, you know, congratulations on, you know, planning it and the success it's had so far. And we'll both be there. We can't wait along with a bazillion other people. We're going to smash a hundred thousand, uh, national numbers, by the way, next week. I, 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 we can't wait for it. Love it. Well, look, I appreciate you guys having me. And, and I, and I mean this, I appreciate what you guys do for Cleveland. The fact that you are, I mean, what you're doing also keeps a lot of people, you know, ongoing, being excited and proud of their hometown. And it's, it's also the beauty of sports. You know, it's, uh, you know, these teams have Cleveland on their, on their chest and, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's cool for all of us Clevelanders, Cleveland expats, Cleveland lovers to, uh, to, to, uh, to follow them. Oh, I just got inspired for the second half of work. This is good stuff. <laughs> well, Thank you you for awesome time. Hopefully I'll run into you. Uh, um, you know, I may have my mask on so you won't recognize, you recognize <laughs> you, but if we do, we're grabbing a beer. Sold. Awesome. Gilbert, David, appreciate it very much. Thank you very much again. We look forward to next week, and yeah, hopefully we run into you. Thanks, guys. Same here. Thanks for coming on. Thank Take you. Care. Bye.